Welcome to the Full Press Fantasy Pod, part of the Full Press Radio Network. I'm your host, Kyle Senra, and joining me are my co-hosts. First, here's Kayla Morton. Kayla, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, pretty great. Uh, nice Friday. Looking forward to being able to relax and sleep in and uh, probably still doing more exercise and feeling way tired and sore after, but, you know, that's good. At least you can do that. I'm hoping that I will not be on crutches much longer. Yeah. No, yeah. Here's me complaining. Oh, yeah. I, I had to play basketball and curling and uh, I've got to go snowshoeing tomorrow. It's, no, I love doing those things. So uh, I'm happy um, and hope I mean, I'm happy to be here recording this podcast because I love doing this, too. Alessandro, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, pretty great. Thanks. So, yeah. So here we are week 14 and uh, we're recording this, as I mentioned, already on Friday. Uh, December 6th. So happy birthday, Dad, if you're listening. Uh, so week 14, here we go. Um, we've already uh, seen one game happen this week. Uh, some nervous energy for certain players doing really poorly in fantasy playoff week. And uh, eventually it ended decently enough. Uh, not decently enough for Dallas, that is. Uh, they didn't get the win. Uh, as the Bears took them down 31-24 uh, in, in Chicago. So yeah, Dallas couldn't get this road win. Uh, and it, yeah, Dak Prescott's someone I've mentioned about, uh, talked about on the Going for Two podcast episode I did earlier. Uh, one of my biggest, uh, you know, my one of my biggest home runs this year was how many leagues I got Dak in late. And I mean, he's a top five quarterback. So uh, last week I was a little scared with the Buffalo matchup, and he did well. So I trusted him again with the Bears. And I looked, I checked halftime. It was 2.7 fantasy points or something in, in certain scoring settings. It was. Oh. Finished with about 17 to 20, depending on the settings. Uh, 334 passing yards, one touchdown. Uh, you know, good, good on again, good yardage. Uh, didn't get the score you wanted. The scores, he did get the one pass, but the Zeke got two, 81 yards on the ground, two touchdowns, two catches for 12 yards. Uh, for receiving, C- Cooper did catch the touchdown and tied for the team lead in receptions uh, with Michael Gallup, but Gallup. Edged him out in yards. Gallup was 10 targets, 6 for 109. Cooper, 6 for 83 with the one touchdown. Blake Jarwin also tied for the team lead in, in reception, 6 for 50. Uh, Jason Witten wasn't far behind. as Both tight ends got seven targets. Witten, 5 for 37. Randall Cobb, 2 for 43. So disappointment there. I know I know. I was thinking he might do better. He, he usually slays the Bears pretty well. So that's, I'll have to look back. That may be one of the worst games he's ever had against the Bears. Um, speaking of these bears mitch trubisky three touchdown passes uh he's been on a streak of multiple touchdown passes uh, at least in quite a few games recently so uh, moving forward well there 244 one interception uh also added to a score really well anyone who did trust him he got a rushing touchdown to 63 yards rushing uh david montgomery still led them in rushing yards which i like to see as a montgomery person i know kayla i think you played him in a league yeah <laughs> well anyway 86 yards 8.6 points, not the you know not the greatest, not the worst. Uh, only targeted once though, that's a little disappointing. Six targets went to Tariq Cohen. Uh, twenty-four, uh, or yeah, he caught all six for twenty-four yards. He also only had seven yards in the ground. So any PPR, Cohen was okay, but other than that, not really looking that happy. Uh, the touchdowns went to Allen Robinson, only forty-eight yards, but again, two scores made it great. Five catches, Anthony Miller three. Uh, three receptions, 42 yards, and one touchdown. Uh, the leading receiver on the team, J.P. Holtz. <laughs> Another one of these random bear tight ends, right? We had Ben Broniker a couple weeks ago. Actually, Holtz, to be honest, Holtz has been uh, part of the team. Like He's been playing every game since week one, just more as a blocker, 
uh, you know, seen how many snaps, like not very many snaps, but uh, he's been in pretty much every game. Started week three was his first active game, and he saw around 20, 30, sometimes even 40 snaps, percent of snaps uh, every game in uh, season high 45 this week or, or last week. So I haven't done the snap counts, obviously, for the, these games yet. But uh, yeah, so JP holds three catches, three only three targets, though. So not something that you're going to take moving forward, I don't think. But just uh, ended up being the lead receiver for the Bears this week, <laughs> and then Jesper Horstead, the other tight end, got four catches for 36 yards. So um, at least Robinson Miller got their dues, and uh, little, yeah, again, a little disappointing for Montgomery to no no score, but at least you know, a solid floor performance. Um, you know, for someone like you, Kaylee, you're probably gonna have to chase the upside now and look at players for with higher ceilings if you're behind. Yeah, the only problem is in the league that I have Montgomery in, you can't pick anybody up for the weekend after 5 o'clock on Thursday. So the team I got is the team I'm going with. Yeah. But um, No, it was just more of a nail in a coffin because, I mean, looking at the stats, I mean, I probably just overanalyze everything and spend too much of my life doing fantasy football, but uh, I'll still never learn, so that doesn't really matter. But um, just the Dallas has given up basically a rushing touchdown per game. And I really thought Montgomery had the upside instead of Cohen to get a rushing touchdown um, just based on that. But my opponent also started Zeke. So I was like, hmm, nice well, in the hole real early. I would have expected Montgomery more likely to score a touchdown than Trubisky, but obviously that wasn't the case. Don't even get me started. Because um, again, Montgomery has been one of these running backs that, you know, he hasn't been overly productive, but he's been getting so much opportunity, especially in the red zone. Uh, coming into this week, 15 carries from inside the five. Uh, that was, I think, third or fourth in the league. Again, not counting this last game with, with uh, them. I don't know if he got any carries inside the five. I haven't looked at, the, at that yet. I'll see if... I don't know if uh, NFL Savant... That's usually where I get my red zone stuff. I don't think they... They may have updated by now. But uh, anyway, we're recording a podcast. I'll do that research later. Uh, but it, yeah, so I think the the main takeaway, I mean, most of the the big starters that you would have started actually performed pretty well. So uh, what this does now moving forward, if you're someone who, uh, who ha- ran into someone who played Zeke and they ended up with two touchdowns or, or Allen Robinson and her, you know, if a common eight, if, you know, that could have very feasibly be on the same team. So if you had an opponent play both those players against you, the decisions you're going to make are going to gear towards the more high upside players. You'll definitely jump on someone like Will Fuller, for instance, who can get you that that big mass appeal, you know, that massive score of 20, 30 points, but could also very well get you zero. But at this point, 10 points probably isn't going to necessarily save you in, in those situations like that. So uh, there is some clarity to be taken with that. But again, you don't ever really want to go in, look at Friday morning and already be down by 40 points. That's that's not a, a great feeling. And conversely, I mean, I'm in a league where I have both Dak Prescott and Allen Robinson. So I'm up decent. I mean, uh, close to, I think it's close to 40 points right now. So I, I've got a bit of an edge and I, I just happen to be playing Patrick Mahomes in a ton of leagues. So not the unluckiest that he's playing the Patriots this week, but we'll get to that later. Uh, anyway, let's, uh, so are there any other takeaways to, to have from this game? Um, I was just going to say, it's interesting that in back-to-back games, Dallas takes their opening drive down the field for a touchdown. Looks like they're on top of things in the game. They did it in Buffalo, and then they didn't score until the fourth quarter. And then they did it uh, against Chicago yesterday, and then got the interception on the next play, and they look like they're all set up, and they're going to put their woes behind them. And then, again, they just crumbled as the game went on and couldn't get it done. And you saw how 
frustrated and animated. A lot of players were even in the sideline. They didn't even take it into the locker room this time. So I just thought it was it was interesting that they're self-destructing, even though they start out really well on the same page. And and it's funny because that's what the season is, right? They the season started off so well. It went, didn't they go three and zero to start the year, and now they've kind of stumbled to now be I think what three and seven since then. Mm-hmm. So um, uh, yeah, not the, not the greatest finish. And they're you know if the Eagles lose they're st- this week, they're still in first place in the division. So uh, <laughs> there's again the there's NFL there's going to be some there's going to be some ten and six team in the NFL this year that's not going to make the playoffs. It's going to be so angry, and they're going to see Dallas there, and they're going to be or the Eagles or. Washington, dare I say Washington. <laughs> Alessandra, sorry, I'll get that aside, but do you have anything to say? NFC least. Yeah, oh, for sure. NFC least, and I mean, I know for the Packers, the, that might, and right now, it's not the least of their worries because they do face an NFC East team, uh, who, again, at this point, might actually still be alive for the division. Listen, someone did the math. If Dallas loses out, if the Eagles only win against Dallas... We'll lose every other game, and if Washington wins out, Washington can win the division at seven and nine. Yeah, but they're not going to go seven and nine. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know that, but I don't know. I, again, Washington beat the Packers last year, so I really have nothing to say here. But I think this defense—actually, oh, never mind. This defense isn't much better to stop the run, which is part of this, right? That's why I have Darius Geis as a must-start this week, even though he's on, he's splitting. I mean, it's a three-way committee in terms of playing time. Uh, but Darius Geis offers the most big play potential explosive ability out of these running backs, which is saying a lot because Adrian Peterson is one of them. Even at his age, is still he doesn't have that explosiveness anymore. And how, I mean, how, Chris, how? just say ageless wonder. Oh yeah, I mean, amazing. Uh, I'm gonna say ageless wonder because we can see it's it's not as if he's playing as good as he was in 2012, right? There there is a decline there. He's not doesn't have that that same explosiveness, but he can still get the job done. That's for sure. So in that case, yes, you're right, because especially given his injury history, playing this long is quite remarkable. I guess people say that about Frank Gore, too, though. So, uh, But anyway, uh, for the other must-starts, I mean, Aaron Rodgers to me. Last week, uh, I was actually, I, I highly recommended Devontae Adams and DFS on my, uh, at least in Yahoo. I don't know about DraftKings prices last week, but uh, I thought he was a, still a bargain, even though... You know, there's a couple other receivers a bit more expensive than him, but I thought he would do so well against the Giants. And he scored two touchdowns, necessarily the yardage on 64. But uh, I got a little worried as the week went on, and we saw, oh, there's going to be a lot of snow and, uh, ooh, and some wind here. And then I kind of thought, okay, maybe they'll lead more on Aaron Jones. And they really didn't. They just, you know, they, they found, I mean, Rodgers loves throwing in the snow, so, uh, but they found weaknesses in the secondary and they just exploited them. And that's kind of what's going to happen here. I mean, this is not a great secondary. Josh Norman isn't scaring anybody. And, I mean, if, if he's one-on-one in Adams, I expect, the, I mean, not a career day from Adams, but certainly a monster performance. I don't think I don't think Adams is someone you can take one-on-one uh, from anyone on Washington anyway. Uh, we'll see how they go about that. But even Adam double-team, he's still going to see double-digit targets most likely. So I think he, you must start him. Aaron Jones, and this is – I almost didn't, and I almost feel like I shouldn't say he's a must-start. Uh, you know, you're, I, even volume isn't really – that you know there with him again he's been and he's been splitting playing time with Williams all year um really the, what sets Jones apart is the red zone work and even last week without scoring and he didn't have a great game he still had four red zone carries two red zone targets and and two of those four carries were inside the five so I know I know he got stuffed on a one yard run um one of the few times Leonard Williams was actually able to get off a double team and actually and actually make a play uh, but uh yeah, I think 
I think that the touchdowns, it has been Jones's whole upside. It's almost been touchdown or bust. And if he gets enough yards, it, it supplements it. I think it's a strong enough case against Washington that it could happen. Uh, I, I know I've got him only in one league, so maybe my sample size is small, but I, I can't even envision benching him. And I think that's more about, about it than necessarily the upside here. Um, cause I, I really feel really close actually about Aaron Jones and Alan Lazard, who I have as a maybe and again, really strong that should I push him up to that start? It's kind of, it's almost like a, a, a start beat or a, a marked or whatever. It's somewhere in the middle. Some other pun that doesn't sound that great to say, but, uh, I feel like Jones and Lazard are both in that range. Um, Lazard, big week last week. Three targets, three catches, hundred over 100 yards, got the touchdown. Uh, but what I noticed was after that third big catch to start the second half, the Giants really adjusted and started kind of gearing double coverage towards Lazard. Um, and again, that opened things up more for Adams, got his second touchdown of the game. So those two are going to – and um, Lafleur is designing plays where they're, those two are on the same side, and there's always going to be someone getting double coverage, and you, you can't really – you know, I mean, if you're going to put four guys to one side to double both, someone else can be wide open somewhere. So there's there's only so much defense can do in the way that they're using Lazard and Adams. You basically have to pick which one you want to shut down, and you may not even be able to shut that one down. So uh, to me, they're the only Packers receivers that can be trusted. And I, someone else will produce. Someone's going to have a big game here. Someone's going to score a touchdown. It can be as random as Mercedes Lewis, <laughs> who had a touchdown last week and three red zone targets, and he hadn't had one all year. So. Uh, that kind of came out of nowhere, but I think uh, even though he only saw three catches last week, I think Lazard's role and the way they're using him is much more consistent, and Rodgers is going to look his way a lot more. It's really up to Washington. If they're going to decide to take Lazard out of the game, That that's the only way he's not going to produce, but with all the attention Adams is probably going to get in this game, I think Lazard's going to be in for a big game. Uh, so I mentioned Geis, and I mentioned the Packers running defense. I don't mind playing Peterson this week. I already talked about it, and even Chris Thompson's an option, because I mean, with them, it's runs up the middle, but really covering running backs hasn't been the greatest either. It's been better when they've had both Amos and, and Savage and another linebacker to do so. Uh, whenever one of those guys was hurt, that kind of became a weakness again, uh, just like tight end. But uh, I, I really feel like the only non-running back for Washington that you can even think about playing is Terry McLaurin. And that's only with the kind of the caveat that he doesn't get shadowed by Alexander. Because I think if that's the case, he's not going to produce at all. Um now, Kevin King is questionable, so he, he may not see Kevin King. He might end up seeing um, uh, Josh Jackson, which I, I know Braden Holseek's a big fan of, and he's. Uh, we talked about the Packers-Chiefs game. He was really excited to see if he would ever get on the field, and he really hasn't been because he's been behind Tremont Williams and Kevin King. So I don't think, if King's out, I don't necessarily think that's a step down. But, I mean, if, if, I mean, if I'm the Packers, <laughs> which I'm not, but if I'm, I'm having Alexander shadow McLaurin, because that seems to be their only... Outside of the run game, of course, their big play explosive potential. I mean, Trey Quinn's out, Paul Richardson's out, so you've got the rookie Kelvin Harmon over there. I mean, I, I'm I'm just leaving Alexander on McLaurin and shutting McLaurin out. If they don't, McLaurin could produce, and that's why he's in a maybe here, but it's really not that strong a case. Like, I would strongly look to avoid McLaurin this week if I could. And then, again, Jimmy Graham, Geronimo Allison, Mercedes Lewis, Marquez Valdez-Scantling. Like, there's all these random receivers, even Jamal Williams. One of them is probably going to catch a touchdown. <laughs> Actually, Williams might be the strongest case. He might be the best player out of all of them, to be honest, at running back, because he, he could get rushing touchdowns too. Uh, so I guess I forgot to mention Jamal Williams, who I think I'd consider, but all those other Green Bay receivers are basically trying to guess who's going to get the touchdown because I, I mean Rodgers is probably going to throw three four touchdowns in this game one to Adams maybe one to Lazard maybe he doesn't maybe Aaron Jones runs one in so th th 
there's probably going to be another touchdown somewhere, but I can't guess who it's going to be. So I wouldn't trust any of them because they could, they, like in the case of Valdez Scantling, could so easily get you zero as he's been doing so frequently of late. With the Packers pass rush, I think Dwayne Haskins is going to have a horrible day. And that's why even trusting McLaurin, I, I mean, I don't know how they're going to succeed. I don't think they've got a tight end to exploit. I think Adrian Amos is going to shut down whatever tight end they have, whether it's Sprinkle. Uh, and I mean, Kelvin Harmon may be the only other possible player to even talk about just because he's going to start seeing targets with uh, Trey Quinn and Paul Richardson out, but I don't really like playing him. So I think, again, the running backs and maybe McLaurin, but really it should just be the running backs to be for Washington. Uh, that was really long-winded. Sorry, I tried to be quicker, but uh, <laughs> what do you guys have to say about that? Um, I just think if you're the Packers, you really hope that Devontae Adams sees Josh Norman because it's been really evident in the last few weeks. It's been visibly apparent that Norman just gets turned around on a lot of plays. He gets beat down the field. He gets beat in the short field. Um, so I think, you know, you're talking about the random, you know, receiver that's going to have a big day. I think whoever Josh Norman is on the most has the best chance to get fantasy points and looks because if I'm Rodgers and I'm the scouting report, uh, I attack Josh Norman. I think the game plan for every team that plays Washington should be to attack Josh Norman. I don't know where his fall came from, from Carolina to Washington, but he's not the same guy that he was when he was with the Panthers. Um, I, I think it's just embarrassing, honestly, how he's playing. Uh, so maybe, you know, if you're the Packers, you want to put somebody else on him because maybe he thinks it'll be more likely that he won't get targeted. But I just think the biggest day is going to come from whoever Josh Norman is guarding. That's true. But I also, the thing with me, with the Washington corners, is there really anyone in that secondary that scares? Like, is there any matchup to avoid? I don't think so. So, yeah, I mean, yeah, if, if yeah, I think if we see, uh, I guess Landon Collins might be the best defensive back, right? And I mean, as a safety, he's probably going to see like a Jimmy Graham. Yeah, unless they pull him out and maybe cover a slot receiver, uh, which I mean, that could be that that could be the play there. Actually, have Glenn and Collins cover whoever's in the slot because uh, really that's where they're playing Adams and Lazard. But outside of that, there really isn't any area that scares me as a, a pack package in terms of coverage. So you're right. Yeah, if we saw Norman on Adams, I'd be super happy with that because uh, I think that again, what Washington needs to do to shut down Adams is double team him, not put a not stick Norman on him to shut him out. That's not going to work. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah Alison. Oh, sorry. Uh, I did want to say one thing. Um, my aunt is a huge Green Bay Packers fan. Her birthday's on Monday, and she's actually driving from Maryland to Green Bay right now. So I just wanted to give her a shout out and hope she has a great time at the game because I know she listens to the podcast and talks to me about you guys all the time and what we say. So I want her to be surprised when she listens. And all right, Aunt Elaine, like have a great game in the with the Packers, and I hope they win for your birthday. I mean, I hope they also win partially for your birthday now, (laughs) but uh, now uh, also just my greedy needs, but uh, uh, also safe travels because I know um, that I mean, I actually don't know how far that is, but that just my basic knowledge of geography tells me that's a pretty long drive. So, yeah, it is. (laughs) I don't exactly know either, but she had to pick up. um, I think my aunt from Virginia drove up to her house and they had to pick up their brother from Pittsburgh. So she's just hitting all the states today. And I mean, she'll probably be driving right through uh, Ohio, which I guess I, I I know more than other states, but I've only spent 48 hours there this year. But uh, that's more than I know. But uh, yeah, um, actually drove past Cleveland, didn't drive through Cleveland, but uh, the Bengals will be going to Cleveland this week to play the Browns. So Alessandro, uh, talk about this game. Um, Real quick, it's a oh, yeah. 14 and a half hour ride. Um, one it's a little over a thousand miles from just general Maryland to Green Bay. 
just to throw that out there. So you go, girl. Go get it for your birthday. <laughs> that's quite. That's yeah, gen, from General Maryland. That's quite admirable. Um, and one last thing: um, NFC East team versus teams with records five hundred better um, are combined six and twenty-four. So NFC least. I'm I'm shocked they've actually won six games in that situation. <laughs> well, it's three three from the Eagles, two from the Boys, one from that, the Giants, and zero from the Redskins. The Eagles are three and five. The team's five hundred better. Cowboys are two and six. Giants are one and six, and the Skins are zero oh and seven. Yeah, so, that's yeah. uh, that still seems shocking that it's that high for you, all those teams. Maybe not the Eagles. We certainly expect to be better than this, but uh, actually, some a team that everyone thought was better was the Browns. But really, they've uh, they've been a disappointment. So, uh, is there fantasy disappointment in this game, Alessandro? Is there some fantasy goodness here? Um. All right. Oh, so uh, Bengals head to Cleveland. Yay! The Red Rifles back. Yay! I'm still salty about last week, but um. Yeah, with the Red Rifle back in action and the rookie benching, um, totally different ball game here. Um, the the nice thing is that uh, there is some news. So Joku is expected to play this game. He hasn't played since week two, but he is expected to play this game. Um, uh, it, it's a scary situation right now because with... Um, with everything going on between the Rudolph Garrett fight, that's been the headlines there, and everyone's trying to shake that off. And um, when you look at the receiving core and everything, Odell Beckham Jr. does not leave the does not leave. Re- I can't speak. Uh, Odell does not lead the receiving core. Jarvis Landry does. Um, and Baker Mayfield's only thrown for twenty nine hundred yards, and Jarvis Landry's caught nine hundred nineteen of them. But in perspective, Odell's right behind him, 114 yards less, but only five less targets. Three less touchdowns, and they've played in 12 games each. So when I'm looking at this game, this is not the, the, the Browns team's getting better than what we were used to. And so I'm not going to discredit the Browns here, but it's still throwing up a lot of red flags. And, you know. The Bengals, they've gotten their act together, it seems, at least for the Jets game, or I just, oh, or the fact that I lost like six defensive backs doesn't help, but, um, so it, it's a, it's a here nor there, but, um, for the Cleveland game, um, when I'm looking at this, I want to play Baker Mayfield, but I'm worried because if I play Baker Mayfield, then, um, there's a chance that it could fire back. I mean, Baker Mayfield is 15 touchdowns, 14 interceptions, and he's been sacked 32 times. And that that, that worries me. So, um, looking at that, I want to say Baker Mayfield, but I really don't. So, play him in Superflex if you got him. If you, if, if you want to play him in this game, it may look like a trap game, but um, opposing quarterbacks do the fifth best against Cincy but they just got three of their different starting defensive backs back last week so this could be a different Cincinnati that we're used to as far as um the run game they are still the worst team in the run so I'm confident with Nick Chubb 
And um, if you want to throw Kareem Hunt in there, you can. But I will warn you, he's only has 125 yards off of four games. So it's still the Nick Chubb show. And so Kareem Hunt's not going to get too much production for you. Um, as far as the receiving game, like I said, I'm worried with this receiving game. So um, the only two I would trust is Landry and OBJ. And even that's a little bit scary, but um, with those two, I would trust them. Um, anyone else, like Njoku, I wouldn't do it just because Njoku is coming off an injury, and so that is a little bit worrisome because it is a wrist injury and it hurts a lot. Um, as far as the Bengals go, um, they're the can't speak. So for the Bengals, that side, um, John Ross is coming back this week. So that gives a whole new uh, shift in dynamic. Um, so it, it, it could be a way different game, like I said, when it comes to uh, these two teams. So for this game, at least, um, because Cleveland is giving up um, one of the most to running backs – one of the least to wide receivers and their middle pack for um, tight ends in terms of receiving yards. Um, so I'm in favor of the running back here. So Joe Mixon and you and I have Bernard. I'm, I'm favoring more Mixon than Bernard. Um, I'll favor Andy Dalton just because you need a quarterback if you're going to do it. And if I have to go with the receiving core, I'm going with Auden Tate. For, I mean, one with Tyler Boyd and Auden Tate for sure. After that, it's hit or miss, and uh, and a lot of this is hit or miss because these uh, rivalry teams fight each other way a lot harder than normal, and so it's just it's interesting as we've seen they fight a lot harder than normal. So um, that's my take on this game, and I'm um, sorry yeah. I'm a little bit sick, so that's why I sound that's- terrible. No, that's okay. Um, I do want to jump in with Kareem Hunt and Baker Mayfield for a little bit. Um, so yeah, even though you said that he only has Hunt only has just over a hundred yards um this season, he has only played in four games, but in each of the four games that he's played in, this is kind of more for PPR than just like general leagues, but he's been a top twenty-four PPR running back each week, and he also has a touchdown in back-to-back games. So since Cincinnati has allowed a running back to score um or get at least a hundred yards in eleven of their twelve games this season, I think it's safe to say that one of them are gonna score. And if you remember a couple weeks ago when uh, Cleveland played the Dolphins and the Dolphins have a really poor rush defense so does Cincinnati and the Dolphins allowed Hunt and Chubb to score um, mm. so I think that could be a situation where it happens again this week um, so I also think let me see I'm just looking real quick Hunt has at least 11 PPR points in each game this year so I think that's not unreasonable to expect of him again um, I think he could do it just based on how the defenses are And then um, talking about Baker Mayfield, I'm kind of more on the side of start him than sit him Um, just because last year, I mean, I know the teams are a little bit different um, from last year to this year with Cleveland, but last year Baker Mayfield had a combined 64 fantasy points in his two meetings with them. Um, So since Odell Beckham has been stepping up a little bit more recently and Jarvis Landry's kind of been a consistent uh, safety valve for him, I think um, Mayfield has a better chance to be uh, a top 
more close to the top of a quarterback this year, um, or this week, sorry. Um, and he also, let's see, last week he snapped his three-game streak um, in a row with uh, not having 21 fantasy points. So um, he's clearly playing better at home this week. So I think just given um, the history with him and just how Cincinnati's performing this week, I I would push him more to um, a more favorable, like if you're not going to put him in the stardom category, put him more favorable to be closer there than to sit him. Uh, yeah, spot on, Kayla. Um, I was actually going to mention that too um, about uh, about Hunt and just the PPR ability uh, of well, how valuable that is. Certainly in standard leagues, you, you lose a lot of that value because he, it's just been ca- uh, rece- reception volume really that's been defining Kareem Hunt. Uh, the other thing, Alessandro, um, I'm not quite as high on both Bernard and Tate, especially Bernard. He's been, you know, riding cold. And I mean, you know, what we know about Bernard, great pass catcher. In three of the last four games, he's caught one pass in each of those games. And one was one pass for zero yards. So his receiving role is really diminished. Um, I don't know how you can trust him. Uh, a couple weeks ago, it's the Steelers. Yeah, three for 31 in receiving. Okay, six points. But then, you know, that game, he literally did nothing on the ground. He did less than nothing. He had minus one rushing yard on his only carry. And each of the last two weeks, only one carry. So the, I don't think the volume's there for Bernard. And I don't really see the upside with this offense that he's going to, you know, you think he could even score a touch. Has he even scored a touchdown this year? Sorry, uh, I just closed that. Um, yeah, he has zero touchdowns. So, I mean, there really is zero touchdown upside there. I know he gets red zone work. Um, so it hasn't been a while. I mean, six red zone carries, five red zone targets, even one carry inside the five. That's not bad. Um, the other worry with Auden Tate for me is low catch rate and, now with, as you mentioned, John Ross back, I don't really trust Ross this week coming off the injury, and it's a, kind of a bad matchup for Bengals receivers on the outside. Love Tyler Boyd in the slot, though. Uh, I think a lot of volume is going to get funneled his way, at least it should. At least that's how the, the Cleveland defense is a little weaker in terms of covering the slot receiver than they are the outside guys. So I really don't want to trust any of the outside receivers for the Bengals. I would just trust Tyler Boyd, I think, in terms of that case. Just, just Boyd and Nixon for me. And, you know, super flex Dalton, that's fine. Uh, you could probably do enough with those two to to warrant being played, but uh, yeah, I just I have little faith in the Bengals. Obviously, I've shown my stripes. That's fine. Uh, yeah, I, I like what you said about the receivers, though, Alessandro for Cincinnati, especially. Okay, we'll move from we'll move from stripes, and Kayla, you're going to show your spots here. Uh, Chargers at Jaguars, right? Jaguars have spots. I said that correctly. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I'm not an animal expert. You guys, that's you guys, the cat farm. Oh, yes. Well, the Jaguars might eat our cats, so I don't know if I want them well, in their spots. Apparently, all the in my cat farm. teams have been losing. Since that cat went onto the field in New York, uh, every team that has a cat in their logo has lost that's... every game. No, yeah. that's a lie. That's a lie. Did someone just win last week? That yes, I forgot about? Right. Oh, my. <laughs> <laughs> you see, I almost didn't want to believe they won, but that's true. They did win. Oh, yeah. And, of course, you would remember that pretty well. Sorry. I keep bringing that up. Um, okay, Chargers, Jaguars. Let's change the subject. So Alessandro's not sad. Yeah. And also because that's kind of what this episode is doing, talking about these games. So let's get to, let's do that. Yeah. So uh, since Jacksonville has a poor rush defense, especially as of late, I like Austin Eckler and Melvin Gordon in this matchup. I kind of, not kind of, I do favor Austin Eckler 
Baltimore. Um, he has 90 yards or a touchdown in 10 of 12 games this year, and Jacksonville has allowed seven touchdowns um, to running backs in some capacity in the last four games. So I think he has more upside uh, with the pass catching than Gordon does. Um, but that being said, just because of how many touchdowns Jacksonville has allowed recently, I'm not going to uh, – just throw Gordon to the side. I think he's uh, a must start, especially because he really is getting the bulk of the carries on the ground. He's taking that away from Eckler. He has um, 20 or more carries in three of his last four games. So with the way that the Jaguars are trending downward, I think um, Eckler and Gordon will be able to exploit that. So I really like them in this matchup. Um, I also like Keenan Allen as a must start. He has touchdowns in back-to-back games and has 18 targets in the last two games with 14 catches. He also has 68 or more yards in those la- in his last three games. Um, and since Jacksonville couldn't stop the air attack from Winston last week, they face another flinger in uh, Phillip Rivers. So I think with him being the number one receiver and Jacksonville's defense kind of just trending downwards in multiple ways. Um, You have to trust the number one receiver, especially in the fantasy playoffs. You probably took him high in your draft. Um, He wasn't going to last very long, so now is the time to put your faith into him. Um, Excuse me, also like Mike Williams. Uh, He no longer carries an injury designation for the game, and he has 13 targets in his last two weeks with more than 75 yards in both games, and one game he had more than 110 yards. So I like the big play ability with the weak defense for Jacksonville, and I think he's more of a sleeper. I don't think people are really putting him as a must-start on the radar, especially because he had that little bit of an injury and had his reps in practice kind of capped this week. But there, all the reports say that he doesn't have that injury anymore. So uh, I think he might also not be owned in your leagues. Um, when I looked, he, he was uh, available in a good percentage of leagues. So if he is in your league, uh, might be someone to consider. I also like Hunter Henry. He has 30 targets in his last four games or tight end. Um, Even though he's struggling recently, I think that means he's due for a big game against defense like this. I think the Chargers could run up the score, honestly, on Jacksonville, and I think the Jaguars are going to put their best defenders on their wide receivers. So I think Henry could have a really big mismatch here, kind of like he did when he came back from injury um, in week six, I believe. And he had – I think he played Tennessee – I'll check that later. But whatever game it was, he had two uh, touchdowns and a lot of yards because they had a mismatch on him. So I think that could repeat itself this week. Was that Pittsburgh? I don't know. I said Tennessee, but I think it's wrong. So I'll have to look it up later. But I know he had two touchdowns in that game when he returned from his knee injury. Yeah, I th- if it was the, I'm pretty sure if it was Pittsburgh, if it was the game he, it was the first game he came back. I, I almost, I'm almost positive yep. that was because I, d- I remember not starting him, and I, I kept seeing that, and <laughs> I, I regret it ever since. I mean, I think I made the playoffs in that league, so I obviously don't regret it. But yeah, um, I mean, I would, I would regret it much more if I didn't. Uh, sorry to interrupt, but yeah, I think no, I'm pretty okay. sure it was Pittsburgh. Who again, great corners, great slot corner, but yeah, someone to cover tight ends there. Yeah. Yeah, so I just like the mismatch on that. Um, and then possibly I could see you starting Phillip Rivers. Now hear me out. I know that he has 17 interceptions on the season, and that does scare me. Um, he hasn't really been making up for the turnovers with the yards or the scores like he has in recent years, which doesn't make me feel super confident. Um if you can stomach the likelihood of two turnovers mixed with his passing scores, then start him. That's why I have him as a maybe, because I do think that the Chargers could have a really high-scoring game, one of the highest-scoring games they have this year, um, just because of the way Jacksonville is playing. 
I'm just not sold on uh, their offense or their defense, honestly. Um, so because I think a lot of touchdowns could be scored, I think um, you you sh- you should be able to take the chance on him. But again, if you have somebody else that you feel as though is going to get you uh, more secure points, then obviously play them. Um, but I know, like in some of my leagues, I drafted Rivers as my number one quarterback guy. So I'm going to have to try to just just close my eyes and hit the submit button when it time, comes time to set my roster for the last time. Um, but also, if you think they're going to go more rushing style because of the way Jacksonville's rush defense has been recently, then bench him because if they pick up all the scores on the ground, obviously it's not going to be Rivers. Um, he doesn't. He's not, you know, a random rushing quarterback for a touchdown. I was surprised Trubisky uh, did it last night. So I think that's just kind of the way that he plays. I know he has rushing touchdowns in his career, but it's likely going to go to Eckler or Gordon. Um, so I don't have anybody in the sit for the Chargers. Um, so if we move over to Jacksonville, I think you have to start Leonard Fournette. He's been more involved in the passing game recently. He has 61 total touches in the last two weeks, which is ridiculous, through the air and on the ground. Um, he also has 50 or more yards in the air in each game and has multiple touchdowns in that span. I also like D.D. Westbrook. Um, He'll probably take a backseat in targets to D.J. Chark, who's their number one wide receiver, but he does have 13 catches for 129 yards and a touchdown off 17 targets in the last two weeks. I think he's great for PPR, and honestly, in a standard league, I think he's a number three wide receiver. Um, With that being said, I do have D.J. Chark in the maybe category. I really think he's on bust alert. He's not a sit him, but I think it's more so the bust alert. Um, Quarter not Cordell, Cortland, sorry, Sutton for Denver last week did uncharacteristically have two touchdowns against the Chargers defense, but um, we've seen this year with guys like Allen Robinson, Devontae Adams, Tyrell Williams, all guys who are number one wide receivers for their respective teams, uh, haven't found the end zone against the Chargers. So um, Chark does have a better relationship with Gardner Minshew, who's going to start over Nick Foles this week. And I do know that just based on how their games have gone this season, their chemistry, Minshew likes him as a deep target. Um, so he has, Chark has performed poorly the last few weeks, but I think he'll do better, uh, now that Minshew's under center. Um, with that being said, though, I'm nervous to play Minshew. I do have him in the sit category, even though I think um, Chark will benefit from him. Uh, Even though he's coming back in as the starter and has pretty good relationships with guys who were struggling with Nick Foles, uh, like Chark, like I just mentioned, the Chargers have only allowed two quarterbacks this year to have more than 19 fantasy points, and that was Deshaun Watson and Ryan Tannehill. Um, So I think Jacksonville is still going to be doing some adjusting to him under center again uh, before they get going. So that just makes me a little nervous. Um, wide receiver Chris Conley, uh, just looking at how his game trends have gone this year, he really needs a big play to have fantasy success uh, when Minshew is in the game. So it took a few weeks for the two of them to get on the same page when Minshew came in uh, in week one and played for those weeks while Foles was out. Um, So I'm nervous with a quick turnaround for the two to get on the same page again since it took multiple weeks earlier in the season for them to have a relationship on the field. Um, and then I also am going to pair Keelan Cole, the team's number four wide receiver, with Conley to bench him. Uh, he usually comes in during red zone attempts, but not much else on the field. So I don't want to trust that he'll get a pay dirt touchdown uh, in the red zone because he's not really one of those big play guys this year, and they're not really using him on the field. So, um, I yeah, I, there's nothing else really. I just don't really trust that, and I don't want that to be my option. There are better guys out there for you. 
Uh, and then looking at the tight end situation for the Jaguars, Seth DeVal was their starting tight end, but he's doubtful with the oblique injury that he's had for a couple weeks, so that moves Nick O'Leary into the starting role. Um, he played with the Dolphins this year before they cut him because they had a plethora of tight ends, so he will get the start, but because we don't have any numbers on him as a starter with the Jaguars and the team is now changing quarterbacks again, um, there's just too much uncertainty to trust, and there are better tight end options out there. What do you guys think about that? Uh, that's pretty spot on, Kayla. And at first, I was actually a little hesitant before you started getting into a lot of these details. You're talking about the Chargers, the potential to score big in this game. And I'm thinking, now oh, the Jags' defense is still pretty good. I know they don't have Ramsey anymore, and uh, they've got some injuries, but still a pretty solid unit with some good pieces. Uh, looking at the Vegas lines, though, uh, it's actually kind of telling. They have a 20, the Chargers, that is, on the road, 23.25 uh, implied total right now. Which is, you know, it's not great. It's not that bad either. Uh, certainly a lot worse ones. Uh, but for reference sake, that's at 23.25. That's exactly what the Saints are at, at home. Again, they have the 49ers defense. So that, that's a big factor why that the Saints are that low. But um, of the road teams, the only teams that are that are playing on the road with higher implied totals are the Titans at 25 points. And they're playing the Raiders, whose defense, let's that's a pretty bad defense. And then the other team is the Ravens at 24.75. And really, I mean, it's the Ravens at this point. They're basically unstoppable, even against a, a good defense like Buffalo. So uh, every other road team doesn't, uh, isn't, you know, as projected as highly as the Chargers are. So that there is maybe some truth to that, Kayla. And uh, maybe a bitter, uh, sorry, a bit better of an outlook. I know for Mike Williams, I, I liked most of the calls of the must starts. I, I wasn't considering Mike Williams a must start because I actually, in the one league I have him, I'm, Right now, I was considering not playing him. That was my, I mean, here I have really, really wide open decision at wide receiver. So I actually want to, for my greedy purposes, but also for some other people's purposes, maybe gauge, you know, how much you'd be willing to play Mike Williams. Are you playing Mike Williams over Curtis Samuel, who's at at Atlanta, but inside a dome? Uh, yeah, I am. Okay. I think just because... You know, we talked on the last episode about the whole Ron Rivera firing and the the switching and just the, I feel like if you're on the team and I know that I kind of put the idea out there that the team kind of didn't want to play for him with the way that he might have been treating them. But I think, you know, there's a difference between playing a certain way because you hope that, you know, it makes your franchise move a guy and make a statement and then there and then it's different when it actually happens. Um, so I think just, you know, they have a secondary coach now as their head coach, like Alessandro was talking about a lot on the episode. And um, just because of that, and we don't know how, you know, the game is going to be run uh, with other, you know, coordinators and stuff kind of shifting around. I I don't know. I, some tells me that the uncertainty is – it's just not going to go in the favor of the Panthers. So I like something that I feel more strongly about uh, that's been kind of, you know, the the same way throughout the season. And Mike Williams has been a, a pretty safe floor option as well. Um, so, the, you know, there's a lot, it does seem like maybe there is less risk with him. That's a good, that's a good point with Samuel. Would you play Mike Williams over players uh, that are, you know, have much higher ceilings, but tougher matchups to with the point where they may not reach those ceilings. So someone like Christian Kirk against Pittsburgh or even John Brown against Baltimore. Are we, are you to that level where you're, you're like Mike Williams? 
Um, I'm not sure about Christian Kirk, just even though they're playing Pittsburgh's defense, because for whatever reason, when Pittsburgh travels to Arizona or when teams travel to the West Coast and they get, you know, to the longitude and latitude line of Seattle, they're fine. But then when they cross over a little bit, you know, to Arizona and those teams in California, they struggle. Uh, So I know that, you know, Arizona has a 24th ranked rush defense and the worst pass defense, but I think the Arizona Pittsburgh game is going to actually be a good game. Um, so I think Arizona is going to make that game a lot closer. Now, I don't know though if that means the game's going to be more lower scoring or if they're just going to keep answering. So I, I don't necessarily, I'm not going to make the call of Williams over Kirk right now, but I will make the call of Williams over Brown against Baltimore. Even though I think Buffalo could win that game, I think there's just a lot more things that have to go right for Buffalo than it would be for Arizona. All right. Well, okay. Thank you. And, uh, I guess that's, that's the end of my question period. Uh, Alessandro, (laughs) do you want to chime in on this matchup at all? Uh, no, I mean, I, I was like you, Kyle, like I was skeptical at first, but then she went to the details. And so I started, I started becoming a believer. Yeah, I definitely was at first feeling that Mike Williams was the obvious fourth option of these, the four that I had mentioned and was the one I was definitely not going to play. But now I'm kind of thinking that he maybe should sneak into that lineup. But uh, that's again, that's something I'll consider on my own. Uh, maybe that maybe I'll bring that up again on the Sunday morning stream. We'll see how that goes. But uh Let's uh, stream through these pretty quickly. I know this matchup here, I'm, I'm gonna, I'll just get through as quickly as I can. So instead of saying how quickly I'm going to get through it, I'm actually going to do it. Titans at Raiders. Uh, two must-starts for the Titans. One is Ryan Tannehill, who's been on fire of late. Uh, I, I, th- I believe over the last five weeks, he's the QB one or two. And I mean, if you look at the this basically the last half of the season, he's consistently been a, a top 10, top five quarterback. He gets the Raiders defense, and we know how bad that Raiders defense is. Um, you know, linebackers are brutal. The secondary is bad, so he's going to exploit them, and linebackers are brutal. So Derrick Henry is going to have a really great game, who's really been having a monster season all altogether. So those those two, I think, are pretty solid must-starts. I mean, maybe in a single quarterback, you, Tannehill's probably not your only option, so you may have someone else that has a good matchup, but definitely in Superflex, I think Tannehill's a must-start. The only Raiders player that I really like uh, is actually Darren Waller. And that's because the Titans have allowed the seventh most fantasy points to receivers, whereas they're you know, middle of the pack to lower half of the league at all other positions. So the, the tight end does seem to be the one position that they can be exploited. So uh, in a game like this, I expect Waller to be the Raiders' number one target and be able to produce for them. And really the only Raider that I, I absolutely want in my lineups. I have Josh Jacobs as a maybe. He he's someone you're probably even though he's a, a maybe I don't really love the matchup here and he does not involve enough in the passing game and the, with the way the T- Tannehill's been playing and the way Derrick Henry's playing I could see the <coughs> big early lead and not really giving the Raiders much so Josh Jacobs lack of involvement in the passing game really caps what he can do if the Raiders could somehow get to a big lead and he has to you know he carries the rocket ton in the in the you know the second half that that's great and I think I'm gonna play him just knowing that in mind um, actually. I'm trying to think, I, I may not actually have him in any of the leagues I'm in the playoffs in, so I don't know if Josh Jacobs is a great pick this year, but uh, I mean, he's he's been, to, to be honest, if uh, that team I did have him in, or at least the one I can think of right now, if he can't, if he if that team made the playoffs, I would definitely play into this week, mostly because I don't have any options I think are better, uh, and that might be the case for a lot of people, so Josh Jacobs probably has to get played, but I don't think he absolutely has to. Uh, if Tannehill's going to do well, someone of the receiving, some of the receivers have to do well, right? Someone's going to catch touchdowns. The most likely candidate for me is A.J. Brown, but even he's disappeared and been up and down 
I, to the point where I don't think you can call him a must start. Johnu Smith. Uh, there was that one week. What week was it? That I I know Kayla, you you and I both were really highly touting him. He got uh, one target, didn't catch it, and had one rushing attempt for four yards. That was point four points. That that's what you got. In um, so if, since then it's been tough to trust him. But to be honest, with the state of tight end, and again this this Raiders defense, which is vulnerable everywhere, receiver tight end doesn't matter. They, like they. The Titans can pretty much choose to score how they want to, which probably will end up just being a ton of Derrick Henry. But uh, I don't think Jonah Smith's the worst play in the world just because you're looking at the matchup. Uh, I feel like you're at the point of if you're playing Jonah Smith and considering him, you're in the streaming tight end. And at that point, you know, you're grasping anywhere for a touchdown. It might be here against the Raiders. Um, I'm sitting Corey Davis because even in good matchups, he hasn't really brought it lately at all. Uh, Not, you know, just continuously diminishing uh, involvement in the game. And there was a stretch of the, the season where Davis was catching at least four passes every game. But that the last couple of weeks, it's been, I think five receptions total and probably look for another two, three catch game, maybe against the Raiders. That's enough. But I, I just, I have a hard time trusting Corey Davis. And, uh, well, I think Darren Waller will do well. I don't really trust Derek Carr that much because again, if, if, if he can't, you know, maybe, maybe knowing that there's a weakness, they try and cover up Waller and force Carr to beat it elsewhere. And I don't really think he can. So if he can find Waller, he might be able to and find Waller often. He might be able to do enough to be played. But ultimately, I don't think he's going to be really worth playing. And I don't know that you really want any other Raiders player. If they get up to such a huge lead, you might see Jalen Rashard come in a lot more and have to catch passes. But even then, you're, I mean, what's the upside on Jalen Rashard? You know, he catches seven, eight passes, you know, for 40 yards. Okay, you got 12 points there in PPR. Really, that that's what you want to bank on when the possibility with him could be one point or less. So uh, really the only Raiders players I want are Waller and, and Jacobs. Uh, was that quick enough? Yeah, I would say. Yeah. Okay. Do, do, do you guys want to quickly add anything or is that, uh, are we good to move on? Um, I think, you know, talking about how a receiver in Tennessee has to step up for Tannehill have a good day. I know we've talked about it before, but I, I continue to think that AJ Green or not AJ Green, AJ Brown. Sorry, Different I wish color. AJ Green was playing this year, but um, yeah, AJ Brown is the big playability guy, and uh, he also seems to have the best relationship with Tannehill, no matter what the matchup is. It's not necessarily shown on the score sheet in some weeks, but uh, Tannehill's looking for him, so that's something to be noted. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I know a lot of people are really high on him coming out as a rookie. A lot of people thought he was the best receiver in this class, not in Keel Harry. So, um, I mean, those people at this point are proven right in that regard. Uh, unfortunately, I kind of published an article where I sort of, le- I, I kind of admitted that it's, it's so close between them and it kind of leaned towards Keel Harry. But uh, we'll see. Maybe long term that helps. But uh, anyway, uh, speaking of Keel Harry, his team, the Patriots, are hosting the Chiefs. And this should be, a, you know, maybe a potential playoff preview. I know it's a playoff rematch of last year. Alessandro, uh, Chiefs of Patriots, what do you have to say about this? Revenge game. Um, yeah, no. I mean, it is a revenge game, but um, I'll get to that later. Um, so uh, key notes here. Um, people who've been ruled out immediately are uh, DT Brian Cohart and center Ted Karras. Um, also questionable is linebacker J1 Bentley. Marcus Cannon, uh, Patrick Chung, wide receiver Julie Elman, and Jace, Jason McCourty and Mohamed Sanu. Uh, Tom Brady was taken off the injury report around this time around. 
Just to clarify for not everyone who knew the couple, especially those first two names, those are all Patriots players. Yes. Right. All of those are Patriots players. Um, well, speaking of that, uh, Damian Williams has been ruled out of this game. Mm-hmm. And so, um, with that being said, um, I and, can't and you, Was Daryl Williams put on IR? Yeah, don't quote me on it. Yes, Kyle, this is things that you said you were going to improve on from last episode. Yeah, I wasn't going to say. Uh... Um, but in um un- unrelated four days old breaking news, Spencer Ware joins the Chiefs again. I definitely picked him up in a couple spots. Yeah, yeah, Daryl Williams is placed on IR. I thought I saw that report. I should have just confirmed it before. But yeah, he's well, he's definitely now- here. Well, now it leaves Michelle McCoy, rookie running back Darwin Thompson, and Spencer Ware. So, um, yay! So, Alessandro, talk to us about the Chiefs at the Patriots. Play Patrick Mahomes because the Patriots' defense is becoming off in a little bit years. Don't play any of the running backs, though, because of Daryl Williams being hurt and, you know, Spencer Ware coming back. It's, it's a tricky situation altogether. Play Kelsey because he's so such a good talent. He leads the team in yardage. Play Tyree Kill because he's right behind Kelsey. And anyone else on the Chiefs is a hit or miss if you're lucky. For the Patriots, play Tom Brady in Superflex. And if you need him in single draft leagues, he, he can carve up this uh, Chiefs defense. I would not trust James White, but I would trust Sony Michelle. I feel that, you know, the run game is going to be um, affected, but um, – it's going to give Brady some. It's going to give Brady a break at some points, and I feel like with the uh, um, fruition, just keep going at it. That Sony Michelle is going to break out here. Uh, Edelman is a possibility if he plays Myers and uh, Dorsett. If they both play, I know that uh, it could be worthwhile for them. And as far as uh, defenses in this game, if I had to choose one, I'm going with the Patriots. Because they could get to the quarterback and they could shut people out because they have Patriot Zero Bliss. Um, just so, so just speaking on the the whole idea of if Edelman plays or not. I mean, at this point we're expecting him to play, but always probably safe because this is a four this is a four o'clock Eastern time game. So if Edelman's a no go, you you know, you you may not have you're not gonna have as many options. If you find out just before game time he's not going, you're not gonna have as many options to put in. So you're probably gonna need to kind of spend the, these next couple days planning a backup strategy. Um, you know, maybe that's pivoting to someone on the Chiefs, if you know, Demarcus Robinson or Paul <coughs> Hardman, someone that's available out there, or another Patriots player. Um, and again, for you mean, you'll still have the Sunday night and Monday night games, so there's some options to choose from, from the Seahawks and Rams, Giants, Eagles, there may be some depth pieces there that you can at least go pick up get free agents if you don't already have. I mean, if you have someone on those team on, on those teams on your team, then you probably don't need to go pick anyone up. But uh, just be aware of that, just in case Edelman doesn't go, because you don't want to take a zero in a playoff game, especially, but any week, really. Um, so that's all I would say, because I think you're, you know, you're pretty spot on there, Alessandro. Kayla, do you want to mention anything for your next game? Uh, no, I'm good to move on to Pittsburgh at Arizona. All right, Steelers at Cardinals. Another. I know this year it's been all about the Super Bowl rematches. We have another classic Super Bowl rematch here. Um, so Kayla, um, I don't have a pun, so go ahead. 
All right, we're just going to start. So, um, Benny Snow, the uh, Pittsburgh Steelers running back, is going to get the start because James Conner has been ruled out again with his shoulder separation. So, uh, I know earlier in the year, the depth chart looked Conner, then Jalen Samuels, Benny Snow, and I believe Trey Edmonds is the fourth guy. Um, But for some reason... After both Snell and Samuels came back from their surgeries that kept them out for just a few weeks, uh, Snell has taken over the starting running back job. Uh, Samuels actually lost it last week. I have him as a sit Um, But Samuels lost it about halfway into the game, and Snell finished up the game. Uh, I was concerned because Snell was reported to start, and then Samuels started. Um, but around the the halftime mark, Snell only had five touches to the football, but he did finish with a touchdown and over 60 yards, so I was happy about that. Um, but he has 37 carries in the last two weeks Snell does and he does have that touchdown and Arizona is also ranked 24th in the rush uh like I mentioned earlier when we were talking about uh Mike Williams and Christian Kirk so I think that bodes well for Snell getting carries on the ground um and it was reported that Jalen Samuels uh his he's going to have a decreased role we've kind of seen it um because he's been kind of taken out of the pass game um in recent weeks and he did lose that starting job so it looks like Pittsburgh's putting their faith into Snell until Connor can come back um so yeah you have to bench Jalen Samuels and James Connor because of those reports um I also think you have to start James Washington he's listed actually as the starter ahead of Deontay Johnson because Juju Smith-Schuster has already been ruled out um so Washington has touchdowns in back-to-back weeks, and he also has big plays and is used in short yardage situations. So uh, that easily tells me that Pittsburgh likes using him in the open field, in the red zone, and when they want to take a chance. So I really like that uh, he's listed as the number one wide receiver. He's been playing like one. Uh, He's available in a lot of leagues. I was surprised at the percent. Uh, Of course, I closed the window, so I don't actually remember the percent, but he's available in a lot of leagues, um, and he's also trending to be picked up in a lot of leagues too. So if he's still available, I think uh, you're playing the worst pass defense in the NFL, so you have to play him. Um, And then I also like Deontay Johnson. He doesn't have an injury designation anymore, and he will enter the game as the team's number two wide receiver. So, again, because Arizona has the worst pass defense in the NFL, I think you have to start him uh, just because of the upside that he brings. Um, And then you might think possibly about playing tight end Vance McDonald. Um, He really isn't on the same page with Devlin Hodges at quarterback, even though he wasn't on the same page and was visibly frustrated with Mason Rudolph throughout the year. Um, Rudolph always airmailed it over his head, but uh, now McDonald just isn't getting the targets with Hodges. So that that's why uh, he's not a must start, but I think he is a maybe because I think he could be the number three wide receiver in this game on the number three pass option. And I think because Arizona gives up the most points to tight ends in the league also, uh, he could sneak in for a touchdown. Uh, he's due for one in a big way. And uh, yeah, I, I just think because of the injuries that the team has, he could sneak in for a touchdown. I think he has more of a, a low floor than a high ceiling, but uh, I don't think he's a must-sit just because of the matchup in this game. Uh, and then we already went through the running backs he should sit, and Juju, obviously, because he's already ruled out. Um, but then wide receiver Tevin Jones, he has four catches total in his first three games of his Pittsburgh career, so don't even consider him. Uh, and then on the Arizona side of the football, these stardoms that I have with Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk 
are more so on my gut feeling than anything else. I've thought about dropping Larry Fitzgerald more times than I can count this year, but for some reason I keep him on my team just in case I need to play him for depth. But I think this matchup, even though Pittsburgh has uh, good players like Minka Fitzpatrick that he could possibly see, um, I like playing him even as a must start. Um, For some reason, he has good games against Pittsburgh. I don't know what it is. I think Pittsburgh will focus on putting top coverage on Fitzgerald, but he catches nearly every ball that's thrown at him just because of his his experience in the NFL and the game IQ and adjustments that he has. Uh, I think he'll be able to adjust quickly like he has in their matchups before. Um, and I think he'll get more looks because of a struggling run game. I'll get to that in a second. But uh, Christian Kirk really start him because of the same ideas as Fitzgerald, um, getting the more targets because of the struggling run game. And his big playability could give him a higher ceiling than he m- than you might think that he has just by looking at the matchup. Um, And I really do think Arizona keeps this game close at home. If it was on the road, it'd be a completely different story. I wouldn't have them as starters, but uh, really the only team that's done well in Arizona this season, who's been, you know, across the United States was Carolina. I think they won by 17. Um, But other than that, Arizona's putting up good games against them. And uh, they've putting up great games against San Francisco in both matchups this year, who has a really strong defense. And I think Pittsburgh has one of the strongest defenses in the NFL. Uh, So that comparison alone helps me kind of see that it could kind of turn the same way. And then I have Kyler Murray as a maybe. For Arizona, he has struggled lately with no more than 165 passing yards in back-to-back games, and he was held under 15 fantasy points last week against the Rams because they were able to stop him on the ground. He only had 30 yards. Um, but like I said, because Pittsburgh struggles when they come to Arizona and they've not and they've never faced Kyler Murray, I think he could have a better game than expected. I don't necessarily know if he's going to be a top quarterback this week, but I just think because it's going to be new facing Murray and that he I think he'll be he'll be working on uh, moving the football on the ground a little bit more than he did last week. I think uh, his adjustments that he made this week could show in the game. Uh, And then on the flip side, Kenyon Drake. Um, I think, you know, I talked about it in my other game that I previewed, but I think Drake is another player that is on bust alert, just like DJ Shark. He has no touchdowns since week nine. After being pissed off, he was traded from Miami and given up on uh, by that organization. So Pittsburgh hasn't allowed a rushing score since week five, though, and his PPR production has also gone down, and there are reports that David Johnson and Chase Edmonds could eat into his playing time based on how he's played recently. So maybe that bodes more as a sit I put him in a maybe just because he is the starter, and I think they have to move the ball on the ground some, but now that I'm looking at it, I honestly, I might sit all three running backs in Arizona. I originally just had Johnson and Edmonds as sit but now that I'm looking at it, uh, I think I would bench all of them. But um, I think you should just bench Johnson and Edmonds based on those reports and just wait to see what kind of share they have, if any. Because, um, you know, game situation, you don't know. Those reports might just be thrown out of the window based on what the staff sees. So just waiting to see would be the best call here. Um, but with everything being said about the strength of the Steelers' defense, um, if Drake has been struggling and he hasn't been switched out yet, they shouldn't have good games either for Johnson and Edmonds. 
Uh, and then looking at the wide receivers, Keyshawn Johnson, he's listed as a number three wide receiver on the depth chart, but last week was a coach's decision to make him inactive against the Rams. So there's also no updated report on him getting back on the field. So if nothing is telling me that he's playing, then he's not playing. Uh, and then that goes for Farrow Cooper as well. He could be the number three wide receiver again, but again, we don't know. But his stats also don't bolster him to start him in your lineup. And wide receiver Andy Isabella isn't getting playing time, so you're not going to play him either. Um, and then tight ends Charles Clay and Max Williams, they're really not involved in the pass game, and they're getting minimal targets, if any. Uh, so really, they're focusing on the wide receivers, Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk, and if they can move the football on the ground uh, right now, it's Drake, but we don't know going forward, and who knows what Kyler Murray will be able to do on the ground. Wow, that was uh, pretty great. I mean, I really don't have anything to say. I think I agree with with – it all the way through um really yeah uh maybe maybe a little bit more favorable on mcdonald than i am on washington and johnson i guess that's the only thing i'd really switch out is that um just because of the nature of tight end i feel like i'm and i i am starting mcdonald this week in a one spot for sure um whereas i mean i don't think i don't have any james washington so that's a really tough guy it's a really tough perspective to take but I just feel like Washington and Deontay Johnson. I mean, I've got a few shares of Deontay Johnson, and I'm not playing him anywhere. So I, I just I find it easier to play McDonald this week than the other two. <laughs> even though, you know, theoretically this defense is so bad that they should all produce. But I just I feel like wide receiver is so deep that you could find better options. Whereas tight end, it really isn't. And if you're streaming, McDonald might be one of the best streaming tight ends out there. And I know that's risky with the target share. Uh, he he did see those three straight games and seven targets, but not as much since then. And uh, We'll see, but I, I don't. I, I feel maybe a bit more comfortable with Donald. Alessandro. Oh, I'm gonna have to agree with you there too. The only thing I would say differently is that I do think Kyle Murray is going to get production because um, rushing quarterbacks have been known to um, go up against the Steelers and get some production. Now I understand Lamar Jackson's a little bit different. Than Kyle Murray, these are we're two different uh, beings that we're talking about. But uh, the rushing upside is still there. And when Lamar Jackson did play the Steelers, yes, they went to overtime. Yes, that's extra garbage time that helps the um, the stat padding. But uh, Lamar Jackson was able to run over them and get the yardage and just keep pounding away. And I think Kyle Murray can do that, especially if T.J. Watt's coming after him and he needs to leave the pocket quickly. I think they'll, uh, they're they're going to design a couple of run plays from one for Kyler Murray, so that way they don't have to run to T.J. Watt's situation a lot. Not to not to contradict you here, Alessandro, but I mean Lamar Jackson only had 161 passing yards and 70 rushing yards. Not the that's not a it's a season low in pass yards. He's had lower performances in rush yards. Um, he also did score a touchdown. So yeah, he still was able to do something. And I mean that's his 14.4 fantasy points is Lamar Jackson's worst game, and it did come against the Steelers. That's your worst game. That's pretty great, but that's Lamar Jackson, not necessarily Kyler Murray. So I, I don't know. I, I kind of tend to agree with Kayla that he's not a, a must start for that reason. Because um, okay. as you, I mean, as you said, Alessandro, rushing quarterbacks they augment their value. And the other thing I, that I just want to add to that is that they can sort of negate a bad matchup. Oh, this is a tough secondary. Okay, well then you you don't throw at them. You just run at them, right? So uh, yeah, I think he's well placed. Okay. Um, and I think this game is well-placed as a primetime game. It's a, you know, a 
division game that actually means quite a bit between the Seahawks and Rams. I mean, the Rams, they're just, they're clawing tooth and nail to get to fight in a playoff spot. They've lost too many games early and they know that they've pretty much got to win out and that might not even be enough. So they, they know that they need every game. And this, this is huge. I mean, this is potentially a team. They're chasing it for a wild card spot. If not a division, although that seems unlikely that the, the Rams will win the division at this point with two teams, three games ahead of them. Uh, but regardless, I think it should be a great Sunday night game. Um, and should expect another great game from Russell Wilson, who just seems as a matter of prime time, random one o'clock PM Eastern time game. He'll, he'll always perform uh, tough defense here, but not nothing that he can't overcome. So I will play full confidence in Wilson to, to play him. Chris Carson is, it's a little risky because the Rams are better against the run. They are against the pass. Uh, but uh, the Ravens were a tough matchup or sorry, sorry, the Vikings other purple team. The Vikings were a tough matchup on the ground and Carson was able to produce quite well against them. So uh, I think I, you know, I, you know, I guess the only thing with him is he, he left with the, the, there was the concussion scare. He got evaluated and he was right back out there. Uh, so it doesn't seem like there's any ill effects from it. So I'd play Carson with full confidence. Tyler Lockett's someone that might need some more convincing here. Uh, I have him as a must start because he struggled three straight weeks of, of really subpar performances, zero points last year. <laughs> Um, the Rams defense kind of gets funneled through the middle, whether it's running at them. And even then that running at them isn't great, but certainly slot receivers have been the, the one area where they're the, the, some of the biggest wide receiver performances that they've allowed this year have come from slot receivers. Okay. Obviously Chris Godwin, everyone's been allowing fantasy production to Chris Godwin. That's not a great example, but there's, it's still like, it, you know, pretty consistently. I know, uh, Alex Erickson randomly had a big game against them. And, you know, there's been times when these, players that can sometimes venture into the slot as a way to get away from those tough corners. Uh, I mean, Lockett scored a touchdown against them only on four catches too. So it wasn't a big volume game, which I guess that's Lockett's career, right? Not volume, but efficiency. So I think he can find the end zone again here. Uh, Willie Sneed. That was the example against Baltimore. Willie Sneed only caught two passes, but both were for touchdowns again, operating out of the slot, kind of a weak area for the Ravens. So, or for the, for the Rams, the, the other R team, I confused them with the color and the, the letter. Um, and that's full circle. So yeah, those are my only real three must starts for the Seahawks. Uh, for the Rams, it's uh, Todd Gurley, Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, Jared Goff. The thing is, the Seahawks defense—it's gotten better and it's improved in certain areas. Especially you look at what Clowney does from a pass rush standpoint. Um, and while the Rams' offensive line has struggled this year, it really has been run blocking that's been their biggest, their bigger weakness, and they've improved that quite a bit actually. The uh, the two rookies, center and the the right the right guard, I believe. Uh, started games midway through the year, and it seemed like it really has improved that offensive line. So I'm not as worried about Clowney this week in that pass rush. So I, I'd be pretty confident in these those four main weapons for the well, the three main weapons for Jared Goff and, and Goff himself. Uh, Seahawks maybe players. So Rashad Penny was someone that I know I've got a league where I've got both Carson and Penny, and uh, in this particular league, I'm on a buy this week, so I don't have to worry about it. But I looked at their uh, upcoming games and. Um, for the Rams, they play uh, the Cowboys next, and then the 49ers in Week 16. Uh, definitely teams that are vulnerable on the ground. I uh, don't maybe the Cowboys more than the 49ers, but the 49ers' pass defense is much better. So I definitely again see a for the Seahawks are just <laughs> down throats with both Carson and, and Penny. So in ga- contests like that, they might both be playable. I don't know that it's the case this week because the Rams are a bit tougher of a run defense, but I think Penny's still in consideration. Um, just because especially. You know, maybe later in the year, if the, the 49ers lose a couple and the Seahawks keep winning, by the time that Week 16 games come, 
might not matter for the division. We'll we'll see. We probably still will, which could make that game great. But at that point, they may say, okay, we got to scale back Carson, keep him healthy, get Penny out there more. So I think as the playoff fantasy playoffs go on, Penny's going to become a better and better play. Uh, I also have DK Metcalf and Jacob Hollister as maybes, uh, just because their target share does get up there quite significantly. Uh, the Rams have, I think, been one of the more uh, weaker teams against tight ends. Um, so... You know, so Hollister does become a good play, and he gets big t- target share games at, at times, and so does Metcalf. So for both of them, I think, uh, you know, not must-start, certainly, but uh, when you're thinking about streaming tight ends, certainly with Hollister, there's a lot worse options out there. Uh, could almost say the same thing about Tyler Higby, actually. That'd be an interesting question there. Between Jacob Hollister and Tyler Higby, uh, knowing that uh, it seems like Gerald Everett, I believe, is ruled out. Damn, yes. Darn it, I did it again. <laughs> Need to be more prepared. Um yeah, I believe seeing the report earlier today that uh, Gerald Everett was in fact ruled out for this contest. So it's going to be all Higby again, and I don't necessarily expect him. Uh, yeah, yeah, Everett is out. Rams Wire is uh, reporting that. So um, I don't think that Higby's going to necessarily see what he did last week against the Cardinals. And as we mentioned, that's why we love Vance McDonald so much this week. Not because he's been playing well, because it's the Cardinals' defense and tight ends are so well against them. But I mean, the Seahawks haven't been great against tight ends. Uh, so there's, you know, you, you do kind of venture that Higby getting a, a bigger target share might be the, the fourth best option on the Rams at this point, uh, because really Brandon cooks has not been getting it done. So I, I have him as a, a must sit. And I know some people are even just some other podcasts I'm listening to the question of, do you drop cooks at this point? It keeps coming up and, uh, Josh Gordon, the game looked like it was going to, he got the initial first down for them or, or an early first down on a 10 yard catch. Nothing the rest of the game. So uh, that's going to be Josh Gordon, the disappearing act, unfortunately. Still talent, but uh, Wilson will spread it out a lot outside of those top three, really. So I, I don't think anyone... You know, David Moore had a big week last week, but you're just chasing the points if you go and play David Moore. Um, so yeah, that's uh, that game. Uh, Kayla, care to comment? Uh, yeah, so I think it was good that you brought up um, Jacob Hollister about having um, an increased role. Did you say his stats? I don't know. Um, I really go through them in detail. So yeah, that's, okay. Uh, so um, he did catch uh, six passes last week on eight targets, and it was se- the second most uh, passes that he's caught this season, only second to when he caught eight at San Francisco. But um, I think it's important to note that uh, Luke Wilson, who kind of comes in for Hollister and gets some looks, is doubtful to play because um, he hasn't practiced all week because of his hamstring. Um, so I think that just means that Hollister could actually just be on the field more. Um, and when you have those option plays, Hollister might be in there for, for blocking, but it could turn into him being an eligible receiver. So um, I think that could be a sneaky option to get him a few more passes. And then uh, talking about Tyler Lockett, I was frustrated at him to say the least last week but it was interesting because I just remember commenting to my dad I was watching the game with my dad and I was like you know something looks off with Lockett like and where I was looking at the injury reports like there was nothing on the injury report for him and then the next day it said that uh he had the flu during the game and I was like so I'm visibly noticing that something looks off with him but he didn't show up on any reports and I was just wondering why you know Seattle didn't say like oh he has the flu like he's gonna play but this man's sick and so I, that's, that's the only thing I can 
think of for why he wasn't really in the game plan as much last week just because he was wasn't feeling good so I hope he turns around this week and doesn't have the flu that we're not going to know about ahead of time yeah I, well and again in terms of the injury report that I mean that comes out Friday if, if he started to show symptoms Friday night I mean on their injury report they wouldn't have been able to place that but you know a statement maybe that's to be fair to the Seahawks it does seem kind of strange to just announce okay it's Saturday before a game our player has the flu right when you don't really need to at that point Oh, um, yeah. Now, if, if he had I the think, flu earlier in the week, maybe there's a case for that. Yeah, but I just know, like, you know, reporters, beat writers for teams will say, oh, like, so-and-so is dealing with this or so-and-so is under the weather. Like, I've seen it plenty of times before, so yeah. I was just confused as to why, you know, maybe I misspoke on the injury report, but because um, I guess it's not really an injury, but uh, why, like, there was no talk about it at all, so... Well, I mean, illnesses do show up. You'll see sometimes players listed with an illness, whether it's the flu or mono. Um, this is oh, a Jets show, after all. No, it's not. But I'll be a. Uh, uh, I mean, I'll steal that line from the football guys too. Apparently, I steal a lot of their lines. Um, so, <laughs> Alessandro, instead of talking about the Jets anymore, talk about the other New York team. Un- unless you want to comment on this matchup, sorry, I'll give you that opportunity. Well. <coughs> I don't want to comment on this matchup. I am good, Kyle. But I do want to comment on one thing, um, and it is Jets-related, just for you, Kyle. Um, uh, Jamal Adams is in doubt for playing against the Dolphins, and he may miss his first game in his young career. So That almost sounds like it's more for Kayla, actually. I encourage her with the Dolphins this week. I'm always encouraged for the Dolphins, but yes, thank you, Alessandro. (laughs) Well, it gets actually it gets better. No dolphins are injured right now. At least there's no report out that's saying that dolphins are injured. Don't worry, we we have people who go on IR every week. It's coming. But um, Brian Poole is officially ruled out, and ever and Arthur and then my another DB and another DB are doubtful. Besides Adams, and my offensive tackle is doubtful. So, um, Kaylee, you ready for a shootout? Yep. All right. Bring up Ryan Fitzmagic. He ain't gonna be no Fitz tragic. No, it's Fitz tragic. Just stop. It's Fitz tragic. All right, talking about the other, the 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 little baby brother in New York, and the Eagles. So big things here. Um, the Giants are going to be without, or looking like they're going to be without um, their quarterback Daniel Dimes, Daniel Jones, Danny Boy, however you want to call him, say it, whatever. Um, <coughs> uh, sorry, I'm still a little sick. Um, so they're going to be without Danny Dimes because of an ankle injury, and it's a Monday night game in the battle of the NFC least. Yes, it's going to be that fun. Um, so for this game, um, with e- Eli going to play, um, we also have Golden Tate and Evan, Evan Ingram, excuse me, um, who are also going to play. He missed three games with a foot injury, so he will be playing. Um, and then, um, oh, I can't remember. Oh, yes. Uh, and then the Eagles, for the Eagles side, um, just a little tidbit for you, Kyle. Uh, Eagles have signed wide receiver Marco Mi- uh, Mitchell. And Mitchell is the brother of Sonny Michelle and former CFL player. So, that's your CFL guy for you, Kyle. Kyle. Okay. 
I see how it is, Kyle. Um, so, uh, yeah. <clears throat> like I said, uh, Danny Dimes is not playing, so Eli returns to the fold. And um, Evan Ingram is coming back along with Golden Tate. So when you're looking at this game, um, you're looking at a very banged up Eagles defense versus a very poor Giants offense, and it doesn't look like a good thing all around for either team, especially when the Giants got walloped by the Packers last week. Um, so for this game, when I'm looking at people who I want to have, I, it's it's a matter it's scary to think, but um so. With no Danny Dimes, I'm liking Saquon Barkley more because um, Eli is a veteran that understands how he uses running back. So Barkley is looking favorable in this matchup, especially against the Eagles, who, while they do have one of the better ground defenses, um, they have been ran over a couple of times this year against decently good running backs. Oh, excuse me. So, um... With that said, um, I do like Saquon. Obviously, you don't play him, but I do like him. I have to throw that in there. Um, as far as the passing game, I understand it is um, <laughs> it is Eli, but um, Eli does get some good weapons here. Um, as I said, Evan Ingram's coming back, and so is Golden Tate, so I would play them, especially against this weak secondary um, that uh, the Eagles have. Um, in terms of passing, the uh, Eagles, uh, uh, excuse me, um, try and pull up the statistics now. Here we go. So, um, even a poll cop. Um, so, the Eagles, they have one of the um, lower ends, I would say, in terms of passing. I mean, the Giants do too. The Giants have allowed 258.6 yards per game roughly, uh, but the Eagles have allowed 241, so it's about a 17-yard difference between the two. It's the, the the Giants are like seventh from the bottom versus the Eagles who are in the middle, but it's only 17-yard difference, so poor corners on both sides of the ball, and so I do like this to turn into a shootout at very minimum, um, but like I said, the Eagles are better in the run than the Giants are. Uh, they rank behind the Saints, the Bucks, and my Jets. Um, they've only allowed 91 rushing yards, but they've they they played the Giants before. They played it with Danny Dimes. So um, with the veteran experience, I do think this will be mixed up a little bit. Um, Giants have allowed 114.3 rushing yards per game. So um, I'll get to the Eagles in a second. But uh, like I said. Um, I like Golden Tate. I like Sterling Shepard. I like Evan Ingram. Um, I'm not going to trust Eli um, as far as fantasy, but I do like him to uh, get these guys off the ground. But I'm not playing the Giants defense. Like I said, I'm expecting this game to turn into a shootout because of how weak each corner situation is. And then um, turning my attention over to the Eagles, I'm a fan of Carson Wentz. Um, He's been bouncing back this year. Um, and like, like I was talking about with the running back, how they allowed 117 rushing yards, something like that, um, to running backs this year. So I like Miles Sanders against the um, Giants in this game. Um, I think that they would do a um, wonderful, to- a wonderful job and get you many, many points. But it, they may just be passing all game. So um, 
they they made dual attack, but um, it is what it is, and we can only see what happens. Because this is a Monday night game, you have to watch out because um, uh, it's a Monday night game. So if you want to play any of these guys, play them in your flex. Um, big key pieces here that they have to know. Um, Nelson Aguilar, wide receiver, he did not practice Thursday or Friday. Neither did Derek Barnett or Camu Kroger-Hill. Um, Barnett's a defensive end, that's a starter, and Kruger-Hill's a linebacker, that's a starter. He's in concussion protocol. So they did not practice for these two games, and they have a practice tomorrow. So you have to watch out for that. So I would not trust them to be playing, so go without Nelson Aguilar. Um, for the Giants' side, Rhett Ellison is not playing, obviously, with Evan Ingram in. But if you have Rhett Ellison, drop him because he did not practice both days. Also with a concussion, so um, I don't trust them. And then to reinforce the idea that this could be a shootout, linebacker, uh, linebacker Chris Peace and Jabral Preppers are both. They both did not practice Thursday or Friday. Like I said, Monday night game, you have to watch out for it. Um, so uh, those guys are more than likely probably going to be out. So with that being said, going over to the Eagles, I definitely like Carson Wentz in this game because this definitely could be a shootout. I definitely like Miles Sanders. Um, maybe Jay Ajayi, depending on the game script and what's going on, but hold off on that. Um, big, big targets here. I love Alshon Jeffrey and Goddard. Um, just because Goddard's been doing more than Zach Ertz. I also like Zach Ertz, but I feel like you're going to get more yardage and production out of Goddard. That seems to be Carson Wentz's favorite these past few weeks in terms of tight end. And then since with um, Nelson Aguilar being out, J.J. Ortega's white side can also be an option to be picked up. I know he only had two targets last week, but with Alshon and Jeffrey and Goddard all there, they were the favorites. Besides, Alshon got 16 targets, and he he recorded nine of them. So, I mean, that's the favorite here. Um, So our white side was going to be phased out a little bit last week. But with uh, Aguilar out, I think white side's going to come in and do good. In terms of defenses here, I like the Eagles over the Giants. The Eagles, while they will be probably thrown against heavily, um, they do have a good front line that can get to Eli, which will hurt Eli's game a little bit. So I do like that. And to reinforce the idea that this could be a shootout, the Dolphins and Ryan Fitzmagic threw for 365 yards against the Eagles. So, like I said, this could be a shootout if – and the Dolphins have about the same par O-line as the Giants. So they, the Eagles can get to the quarterback, but Eli will get the ball off, and I'm pretty sure this probably will devolve into a shootout. What do you guys think? Uh, well, first off, shout out to Mark and Michelle. Uh, I totally had a response that you didn't hear because I was obviously obviously because I was muted. But uh, yeah, uh, so thanks for the shout out. I'm sorry I gave you the cold shoulder there accidentally. Um, and I mean, okay, so here's the thing with the Giants. Uh, yeah, pass blocking, their offensive line is pretty bad. 26th. But their uh, offensive line in pass protection is actually they're ranked 19th in adjusted sack rates, whereas the Dolphins are down at 29th. So, again, reinforcing your idea of reinforcing the idea of the shootout is that this Giants offensive line sh- certainly should hold up enough time to, for them to exploit this week's secondary. Uh, what I, I like to you're talking about Aguilar. If for some reason, let's say he practices tomorrow and they have him going in as questionable on Monday night, 
I don't think you could play him. Uh, I don't think Aguilar gives you any enough upside to risk that, to risk that potential zero uh, or potentially struggling to, you know, you're much better off just playing someone on, on, a, on Sunday and, you know, just leaving Aguilar to the bench. I don't think you, you risk that. If it was, a, if it was Jeffrey, he's got the upside where if he plays against this Giants team, he should be able to do well enough. So that's someone you would hold that, and you would pick up someone like a, I don't know, like a Greg Ward, where if Jeffrey doesn't go, at least then, you know, Ward's getting a bigger target. So things like that. But Aguilar is not worth it, so don't don't play Aguilar. Kayla, do you want to add anything before we head out? Kyle, unfortunately yeah. for us, uh, she has left us. Okay, yeah. Kayla, thank you for joining us. She did need to go, so I think she brought out quietly while, uh, while we were <laughs> debating too much about the Giants and Eagles. But yeah, uh, definitely appreciate uh, both of you coming on and uh, getting this episode done. Um, she'll want to say go Dolphins at the end, but uh, I don't think either of us are going to say, except for me just saying it now, but um, I don't think either of us are going to add more to that. So do you want to add anything, Alessandro, before we head out? Uh, it's going to be a long week. Well, I mean, it, it if it was a long week, it's almost over. We are Friday. Again, this is December 6th. Uh, we're recording this, and this is part two of our week 14 preview. Uh, and uh, if you want to follow along at on Twitter, we're at, at FPC underscore fantasy pod. Uh, for the my co-host, Alessandro Senator is at AM underscore Senator. Kayla Morton at Morton Salt 74. And myself, Kyle Senra at Yama underscore KS. No matter where you listen to podcasts, be sure to rate, review, and subscribe. And as always, check us out on the Full Press Radio Network, uh, where we're in syndication almost daily, as well as uh, you know tons of other great Full Press coverage created and and not and outside the Full Press coverage family, but uh, all sorts of great content and, and podcasts that are available on the radio network, it's streaming 24 hours a day. So you can always check out some great uh, sports talk. Uh, Once again, thank you all for listening to this week 14 episode of the Full Press Fantasy Pod.